It's time for the Mr. Wonderful Show. Here is your host, Mr. Wonderful. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Mr. Wonderful Show. Happy to be back with you. And this week, we are going to get into the box office and a non-spoiler review for the number one movie at the box office, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. But before we get into it, don't forget the Throw Me Podcast Network. You can give us a follow on YouTube for all the latest videos. There will be a big episode of Halter's Podcast coming out later this week. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this show and all the Throw Me Podcast shows as well on all the streaming platforms. And you can follow Throw Me Podcast Network, not just on YouTube, but Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook as well. And with that being said, let's dive into the box office this weekend as Across the Spider-Verse opened to $120.5 million, easily taking the top spot on the charts this weekend, dethroning The Little Mermaid, which had $40.6 million for second place. And that jump for Spider-Man, that debut for Spider-Man, is pretty massive, uh, especially when you look at 2018's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which only opened to $35.3 million on its way to what eventually was a $375.5 million global finish. So when you look at the numbers of the first film to the debut of this second film, that is absolutely massive. And it's pretty unheard of. That's about a 3.41 multiplier from the opening weekend of that original film to its sequel, which, again, just remarkable. And to be clear, that's not what happens. While sequels typically do gross more than their predecessors until eventually they start to die down in a franchise and you start seeing less return on those sequels, just think with, you know, June 6th and all of that, Freddy Krueger, just think of that. The first Freddy movie made money, second one makes money, third one makes money, and eventually they start to lose money, which is why you end with Freddy's dead. And then you bring the character back down the road. And Robert England has said he'd love to see uh, that character regenerated in a new way, but to kind of keep to Dream Warriors. But that's neither here nor there. We're talking about Spider-Man right now and the dizzying increase in the size of its box office from first film to sequel that you just don't see. And if you start really looking at the numbers, there is one comparison that you probably could find in the same ballpark, and that's Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight which back in 2008 opened to $158.4 million. Meanwhile, Batman Begins debuted back in 2005 to only $48.7 million. So pretty good company to be in if you're talking Spider-Verse and Christopher Nolan's first two Batman films. If you want to look at more recent history, you can look at the John Wick films where the first John Wick uh, made some money and then John Wick Chapter 2 doubled what the original one made, which was impressive, pretty impressive as it gets in this day and age of cinema. So the fact that Across the Spider-Verse is now poised to make what the original made worldwide during its entire run in just a matter of weeks, that is stunning. And this weekend, the only big film coming in to compete against it is Transformers before 
the month starts to move along a little bit more and then we get the flash film and really the 16th seems to be the jam-packed weekend of movies because the flash is going to be the big one you have elemental coming out and there's another one as well that comes out on the 16th i don't have it right in front of me right now but there is another one on the way as well that day uh and then you get to Indiana Jones at the end of the month, and then next month in July, you're going to have Oppenheimer, the Barbie film, and all of those coming in. So really going into this weekend, it's looking pretty good for Across the Spider-Verse. Now, I know the Transformers movie, as of recording this, is sitting around 67% on Rotten Tomatoes, 65% actually on Rotten Tomatoes. And that's not bad, and I've seen some of the reviews have popped up for it where people have talked about how it feels like the safe bet type of sequel for the Transformers films, but, you know, could hit, could not hit. We'll see what happens with that. But I, I don't see Transformers Rise of the Beast being the big competition against Across the Spider-Verse. And with it being the third week for The Little Mermaid, I, I just, you know, this this feels like it's a how high can Miles Morales really fly and considering how good this Spider-Verse film is, I could see its legs sticking around for this this next week. And I mean, but I, I do want to look at one of the other films, uh, the film that had the biggest debut of the year. Now, while Spider-Verse had a wonderful debut and really did something that, as I mentioned, is, is in the same ballpark as Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight, you do have to recognize that this was the one of the biggest openings of the year and for an animated film was behind the biggest opening of the year and that's the Super Mario Brothers film which really begs the question of as far as programming for the families have we been starved for animation I mean when you look at Puss in Boots the last wish that came out towards the end of 2022 and 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 pulled in some money for the first quarter of 2023 that was pretty successful as well uh, i mean that was a pretty good producing film money wise but the super mario brothers movie as we saw with that mario has now made 1.3 billion worldwide and counting it had the biggest open of the year as mentioned and spider-verse was right behind it so spider-verse holds the biggest opening of the summer so far, I, I really am curious to see what films like The Flash does. I'm curious uh, of the box office weekend with Barbie and Oppenheimer because that really does feel like a good form of counter-programming, so, but also the audience might be very similar, even though Oppenheimer is the first R-rated film of Christopher Nolan's in 20 years. I still expect a lot of people that do go to the Barbie film are going to go see that one as well, but... Uh, really, the I, I, I do wonder, are we starved and have audiences been craving good animated films? Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, audiences loved it, critics loved it. The Super Mario Brothers film, while critics were not loving towards the film, the audience absolutely adored that movie. And, you know, the 1.3 billion worldwide and counting number states that. Now you look at Across the Spider-Verse, where its audience did sway a little bit older than that of a typical animation film, and that makes sense. It The Spider-Man IP is known by pretty much everybody. It's not just something geared towards kids like a Puss in Boots uh, is geared towards kids. Well, Mario is a little more 
everybody since it's that reach goes beyond just the child reach. But it is looking like maybe good animated films. People are ready to come out and show up to them. I know during the pandemic, the Trolls film, the second one, it was a very big deal when they did the day and date release because of how much money that first film made with families and audiences. So I know there was a little bit of hope that they would just keep postponing that to get families into the theaters. But this this might be the time that we're starting to see people show up at the movies for these animated films. And uh, I'm very curious to see just how far this Spider-Verse film goes. Internationally, the film opened to $88.1 Plenty of territories that haven't even opened the film yet, including Japan and South Korea. Uh, 208.7 million global opening against a reported $100 million budget. Pretty stellar, no matter what. Given the audience increase from the previous installment, it's, it's just spectacular. And the even better news is that this is just part one of a two-part saga with Beyond the Spider-Verse hitting theaters next year. And that being the case, the third entry could do even bigger business. Now, I do love the stories out there of, uh, and maybe this falls on Sony for not doing such a good job at marketing it, but a lot of people apparently were unaware as they sat down for this film that this is a part one of two and were very jolted by the abrupt ending of the film that I'll get into, even in the non-spoiler review, I'll get into that a little bit more later on, but there were people that were very angry at the theater. Some people took it a little too far. Some others were just a little, kind of felt duped. And that might, that 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 truly will fall more on Sony, not doing a good job at promoting what to expect from the film. And that this was a part one, a part two, especially considering we knew by the time for, for say, a film like Avengers, we knew when we went into Infinity War that this was going to be a part one of a part two. So when the ending of that film came, while it was shocking and surprising, we still felt satisfied leaving the theater because we knew that the conclusion of that story was coming in the next Avengers film a year later. With this, I mean, unless you were really in the know... Uh, it tends to seem that a lot of people out there were unaware that this was a part one of a part two. I know I had to re I reminded the wife before we went to see it of, hey, this film's going to have an ending. But remember, it, it's also going to have unanswered questions because this is part one of part two and part two comes next year. So. Uh, I, I expect the next one's going to do a lot of money, but I am very, very curious to see exactly where this film goes because I think it really can only go up from here. And yeah, just very impressive that a film of this nature is going to be comparable to Batman Begins in the Dark Knight uh, as far as its box office goes. And I think it's very well-deserving in all honesty, I, you know, again, I'm going to get to the Spider-Verse non-spoiler review in a moment, but uh, just a great opening weekend box office, just something that everybody should be hanging there, they're holding their head high for that one. Now, moving on to the weekend's other big release, that was Stephen King's adaptation of The Boogeyman, which opened to a decent but not great 12.3 million domestically and 7.7 million internationally. Now, that's a $20 million start. And while I say not great and decent, it is still a win for Disney. And you forget that this is a Disney 
produced film since it comes from 20th Century Studios. But we also cannot forget that originally this was just supposed to be directly to Hulu. This was going to be a direct-to-Hulu film, uh, kind of like what they did with Predator last year. And putting it in theaters, you got to say, even if it's only a 20 million start, that's, that is a good win for Disney. Uh, you know, anything it makes is just gravy for them going to have to market this thing with or without a theatrical release. So the theatrical release helps, I think. And it had a pretty decent audience score as well. So word of mouth for this film seems to be good. And again, with the only new movie opening this weekend with Transformers, this is one that I know horror films tend to typically do a lot of their business more upfront in the early weeks, but this is one that I think could hold a little bit of its legs, at least into its second weekend, make a nice little bit of money as well. But again, I just, when you're originally going to send this film directly to Hulu and then it goes to theaters and it makes 20 million to start, I I say that's pretty good. Uh, And that theatrical release will ultimately, again, as I mentioned, draw more attention to what will eventually become its streaming release as well. So even if you don't see it in theaters, you're probably going to know some people that did see it and tell you how good the film is and you'll want to watch it when it hits streaming uh, down the road. So the competition proved to be an issue for Disney, but they still did the right thing by getting this out in theaters. Now, another Disney film, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, held strong, pulled in another $10.2 million, brought its total to $780 million worldwide. It is now a lock to at least pull in $800 million before all is said and done, which is a huge win for James Gunn's final bow and for Marvel Studios after all the conversation of superhero fatigue. Do people want to really still come see these films? How bad is it? So uh, $800 million is what we're looking at. Probably at a definite before the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 run. Uh, And then rounding out the rest of the top five this weekend was Fast 10, Fast X, which added 9.24 million to its total and has now amassed 603 million worldwide. Uh, Damn fine number, but that 340 million budget does loom pretty large when you've only pulled in 603 million. And when you look at the legs of that film, that did not really, you know, two weeks later after that release and you have the little mermaid holding strong at number two and then guardians in its fourth week out was able to recapture and jump over it and still pull in some more money. So uh, definitely something to keep an eye on with the fast films. It's not going to change the trajectory of what they're doing with that. And now that we know that the rock and Vin Diesel have put their beef aside, although I did see review Rob shared it and I'm sure he'll discuss it on the review Rob show that, Apparently, there is now beef between Vin Diesel and Jason Moa, which would honestly track at this point because I'm pretty convinced that Vin Diesel has beef with anybody who gets slightly bigger than he does in the Fast films, which is why he had the public beef with The Rock, which is why he would be beefing with Momoa because, as I did in my review for Fast 10, Momoa is just absolutely the thing that really makes that movie as much fun as it should be and that's crazy considering you have a film that does some of the wildest things and wildest stunts with cars but uh so that was the top five at the box office 
uh, Spider-Man, Little Mermaid, Boogeyman, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and Fast 10, while the Super Mario Brothers finally fell out at the top five. And then About My Father, The Machine, You Hurt My Feelings, and Kandara, I believe, is the name of that film, were the entire top ten at the box office for this past weekend. Now let's get into it. It is time to get into the non-spoiler review for that number one movie. So I did, I was one of the many people, as you probably were as well, listening to this, that went to go see Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. A little backstory, the first Spider-Man, Spider-Verse film was my favorite movie of 2018. I love that film. I thought it was truly breathtaking it was a a fun story a fun take on the character and the familiar story that we know of peter parker and spider-man uh and and to see miles morales get that story was really interesting and i was always curious how are everybody involved with this lord and miller and, and company going to be able to top what they did with the first Spider-Verse film. And I'm extremely happy to say that they came out with Across the Spider-Verse and were able to deliver a story that was just as heartfelt, just as emotional, that did animation in a way that was just upped the ante from 2018. And it was just a visually dazzling, action-packed film that matched, if not exceeded, its predecessor. It's thrills from the very start to that cliffhanging conclusion that we get. It is truly a film that just, it takes the basic themes of that first film, the adolescence, the isolation, communication breakdown, uh, messy, stressful business of growing and finding your people and builds the, the whole worlds with them. I think what this film does really good and, and and what made me love that first film more is when you look at a film like Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness and what, and what Marvel did with that compared to what's done with Spider-Verse, the characters in across the Spider-Verse are fleshed out. We know the motivations of all of them. We, we get time to spend with Gwen Stacy, with Miles, with... with Peter Parker with even with Miguel we get time spent with him that everybody we understand their motives and we get to see different versions of the Spider-Man character where when you look at Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness there's only one version of Doctor Strange and it's always Benedict Cumberbatch uh, it's it's always this it's always every version of Wanda is, is Elizabeth Olsen and all of this and it just you don't get to spend some time too in the world. You only really spend time in one of the worlds and it's to set up maybe one of the funniest dark, funny moments involving Wanda taking out everybody that she takes out in that one scene. I'm not going to fully spoil it for you in case you still haven't seen multiverse of madness, but the when you, when you see what the live action version of a multiverse film is, And then you see Across the Spider-Verse, you know it can work comic book-wise because Across the Spider-Verse and these films have shown you that it can be done and very much can be done. And I think really has put Marvel to shame at this point with its live action stuff. 
I would say that across the Spider-Verse as well, these films have a lot more in common with the best picture of last year, Everything Everywhere All at Once, in the sense of really focusing in on the characters and their journey across these multiverses and what it means and the questions and the answers. Uh, again, just really blown away by the fact that they were able to follow up such a successful film and deliver this second film that is a part one of a two and the middle portion of a planned trilogy and be able to take the action and the story to the next level and just provide a much superior film. I think this right now stands as the best film we have gotten in 2023. I had obviously I, I said that I loved the 2018 one. It was my favorite film that year. So I came in with high expectations that I felt were unachievable and the film was able to achieve it and exceed those high expectations that now actually makes the conclusions of this even more of a man. I hope they stick the landing because if the first film was was masterful in my eyes and this film is better than that, then there are some really high expectations for the conclusion. But what this film does for the Spider-Verse canon, what it does for the Spider-Man story as well, a familiar story, but asking a simple question as well throughout it, that, you know, same story, different time, different everything. I just really was surprised by this film and I shouldn't have been I guess considering how much I loved the other one but yeah I was very very surprised it plays with literally every possible form of animation as well to create some of the most stunning visuals you will see uh, Gwen Stacy's world the watercolors that go into that where you know we don't need to have Gwen tell us her her emotions or any of that but the watercolors say it all uh, the setup as well with, with Miles and his mother that eventually takes us into uh, Miles going into this Spider-Verse and, and entering Earth 2099 and what his journey is through there just uh, truly was, uh, again, the best film of 2023. This is a five out of five. This is a... I do not have any issues with this. I don't think this film drags. I think this film just delivers on all levels. Uh, it turns an otherwise goofy and stupid villain into maybe one of the most terrifying villains we have gotten in a comic book film in a while. And, you know, I know that seems to be said a lot, but it truly did take what could have been the most throwaway villain of the week type of thing that nobody cares about and has now made that into this threat that I'm really curious how we're going to be able to handle this in, in, in the third film. Uh, the cliffhanger ending did not tick me off at all because also here's the thing with this film. I feel that this cliffhanger ending, the people that are mad about it, I think you're mad because, again, you just were unaware that that's what you were getting. And I think that overall, it's a film that, even if you didn't know you were getting that, a lot of things are tied up. The main theme of this movie is tied up. It's 
it gets its conclusions on some of its main themes, on some of the main story that is being told. The thing is, is that you're just not getting the answer on these other things that are clearly going to be the bigger portion of the story for the third film that will be answered there. But for overall, for what this film's story was, every one of those stories and everything they were telling was wrapped up. Miles' story was wrapped up that they were telling in this film. Yes, it's left with a cliffhanger for him going into the third film. Gwen's portion of the story in this film, wrapped up, left with a cliffhanger for the next film. Peter Parker's, wrapped up, left with the cliffhanger. Everybody that was featured in this, what their main theme in this movie was, and the main story being told, was wrapped up, that it is a very satisfying conclusion to me. So again, I think if you are mad, it probably comes down to the unaware that we were getting a part one of a part two. This is not like how Fast 10 ends, where it's just a total cliffhanger and there's really no conclusion to any of the stories and everybody's just kind of left out in the winds. Very Avengers Infinity War. And again, this is why I think if you want to make the comparisons of this to Infinity War... I can get it in the sense of the part one, a part two thing, but unlike Infinity War, this concludes storytelling for some of these characters with the hangover of more is going to be this part of it and this part of it and this part of it will be talked about next. But again, everything that we really were being told in this film and getting the story was concluded. It was. It wasn't Fast and the Furious where it's like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about that? And this person's here and this person's here and this person's here and this person's here and this person's here. Yeah, we're left with this person's here, this person's here, this person's here. But the overall theme of what they were saying in this film and the story they were telling was concluded. So uh, this is uh, comic book film wise for the year. Man, this this I loved Guardians, but this exceeds Guardians. I'm very excited for The Flash, but The Flash now has really is going to have to to step up for me uh, when when we see that in about 10 days or so, 11 days or so. But yeah, overall, uh, this again, five out of five. This to me, as of right now, stands as the best film of the year, which is crazy to think it took to the midway point for me to get to the. Yep, here it is. I, I'm screaming from the mountaintops go see this film. I cannot wait to go see this movie again in theaters. There's no mid-credit or post-credit scene because, again, it is part one of part two, and Lord and Miller even said that what was originally intended would have just... It just kind of didn't make sense because it would have required a setup, and then it would have required the the payoff in, in the mid-credit and the post-credit, and it would have taken away from all the other heart, the beauty, the creativity and everything that had happened prior to that. So, yeah, just a powerful blockbuster of a film and just some of the best animation that I have seen in a long, long time. Just love this movie and do recommend going to see it when you get a chance. So there you go. That's the Mr. Wonderful Show this week. Uh, Got into the box office, got into that non-spoiler review, and next week I'm sure we'll get into more of the entertainment news. Until next time, peace and love. 